Welcome to Kingdom Leadership. In Matthew 20 and 25, Jesus called his disciples together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lord over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not that way among you, but whosoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. God has called us to lead in a way that serves others and advances the kingdom of God. Please join our hosts as they discuss scriptures, principles, and strategies for leading in a way that brings glory to God and blesses you and those you serve. You may also visit us online at IamAKingdomLeader.com to submit your questions or access past episodes. Let's go. Hello, Kingdom Leaders. This is Arlene Green, and I'm so glad you've joined for another episode of Kingdom Leadership, where our mission is to disciple, meaning train, equip, prepare, encourage you so you can accomplish all that God has called you to do and that you're able to do it in a way that brings him glory and advances his kingdom. So I'm so glad you've joined today. I'm excited about this episode. We have some interesting stats and facts and some great verses from the Bible to discuss This is a continuation of our series entitled The Four Questions of Leadership, meaning four simple questions we as leaders should all ask ourselves and also be able to answer in order to lead effectively. And one of my favorite quotes on leadership, which I've shared before, is by Kenneth Blanchard. And he said that leadership is about going somewhere. And in researching that, I saw he actually had a second sentence which said, and if you and your people don't know where you're going, your leadership doesn't matter. (laughs) I thought that was interesting. I completely agree. You know, if we're not going anywhere, why are we leading? What's our point? So we're going to get into the four questions of leadership. Before we do, if you'd like to access previous episodes of the show, you can go to IamAKingdomLeader.com. Along with the website, you can also contact me directly with questions or just to say hey by sending an email to a green a g r e e n at lifechangingfaith.com our church website lifechangingfaith.com you can send an email to a green at lifechangingfaith.com so the four questions of leadership those four questions are why what how and now why what how and now we discussed why in the last episode so today we're going to talk about what why was why are we leading What is, what are we there to accomplish? And how will we know when we've accomplished it, arrived, or at least progressing along that journey? So answering the question of what is a lot about goal setting. And there are so many studies that talk about, you know, how goal setting is basically a key to success for businesses, for ministries, for individuals. And I was looking at an interesting article recently, and it said that according to research, less than 3% of Americans have written goals. So less than 3% of us in the U.S. specifically have written goals. And the author goes on to talk about why he thinks we don't write them down. And it's everything from we aren't serious about them to we're afraid they actually aren't going to get accomplished. So we don't want to have that kind of level of accountability to some of us just don't understand the purpose and value of goal setting and the impact it can have on our life or our business. So, you know, what we're going to talk about today is how do we move out of that 97% and into the 3% that, that has a set of goals that is 
using those gold toward accomplishing what it is God has called us to accomplish. So we're going to talk about three strategies to establishing the what for you, your family, or the team you may lead, and how we can move from the 97 to the three um, that are using goal setting and strategies that work to accomplish all that God has called us to do. So we're going to start with the first strategy, which is what I referenced in that article that all of us, every person, teenager, leader, ministry needs written goals. Things you have sought the Lord for, you've written them down, you've talked about them with others, and you've communicated it. You've shared it with yourself, your family, your team. You know, we always say that leadership is not just about um, having a particular position or role. Anytime you have an opportunity to positively influence someone in a positive direction, that's a leadership opportunity. And so you might be leading yourself, you might be leading your family, you might be leading a team, or you might be leading as a role in ministry in our job. So, but what we want to talk about is the first strategy is the focus on written goals. And, you know, this year I've been using a chronological Bible plan for reading, and I am enjoying it so much. It basically goes through the Bible in time. And it's interesting to see how the Bible unfolds over time. And right now I'm reading about Moses and the time the children of Israel spent in the wilderness. And one thing I wrote down in my notes is that God is very specific with his instructions. I also wrote down that God is not playing and that we have to take our worship and service to him seriously with reverence, respect, and love. Because in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, God provides very specific instructions for all kinds of things. The building of the tabernacle, you know, its size, the materials that should be used, who should be doing what in building and caring for the tabernacle. There are specific instructions for sacrifices, for how to deal with disobedience, how to manage sickness, um, how to conquer lands, what to do with the riches of that land, you know, what to do with the people of the conquered lands. I mean, absolutely everything. So when you think about it, I have yet to come upon one situation in life where there isn't a scripture available in the Bible to direct me, at least in the general sense of not in a specific decision, on what to pray for, what to do. I mean, God has made what he wants us doing so very clear. So when we are in a leadership position in our families, we certainly in a leadership position for leading ourselves or even in our organizations, we have to ask, have we done the same thing? Have we made it clear what we and other people should be doing? And I mentioned how I love it when research shows what God has already told us and showed us. And I was looking at another study by Dr. Gail Matthews, and the study showed that people who wrote their goals down accomplished more than those who did not. Because seeing goals in writing created this sense of urgency about it and also helped to hold us each accountable. So by having the goal in writing, your chances of accomplishing it are significantly higher. And that's as true with a business plan as it is with health goals, school goals, or anything else you're trying to accomplish. You know, I've told, I've told you all before, my husband's an amazing leader. And I remember asking him one time, how was it that he was able to lead teams to accomplish these kind of big goals? Like every time he leads a team, they're getting awards for breaking some record. You know, he's cooking a barbecue for some record they broke or something. And he said to me, you have to write it down and check on it often. Write it down and check on it often. And we'll get to the check on it often in another episode. But I have to ask you, have you written it down? For yourself and those you lead, is it clear what people should be doing and to what end they should be doing it? 
you know, we want to collectively, as leaders, understand where we're going. And what does godly excellence really look like? Because we have to know if we're winning or losing. If our goal is to raise $50,000 and we've raised five hundred, dollars then we might need to seek God to confirm we're using the right strategies, right? If the goal is to raise four hundred dollars and we've raised $500, we're living in the overflow. So where are we and where is the team that we're leading? Are we still reaching for the goal or are we living in the overflow? We can only answer that if we've been specific about the goals and we've actually written them down. So we must seek the Lord for what he wants us to do. Um, what goals he wants us to set for ourselves and what goals he wants us to set for our ministries, right? So that's the first strategy. We're going to seek God on what he wants us to do and then we're going to write it down. The second strategy in terms of what God wants us to do is to plan to sacrifice. Godly goals are one way that we demonstrate that we are serious about the work of ministry. And I think most of us know that to accomplish anything significant, personally, professionally, sports, ministry, it's going to cost us something. We're going to have to sacrifice something. And that's something I find is really clear in physical endeavors or sports because people know, okay, if I want to lift more weight, I'm going to have to spend more time in the gym. You know, if I want to run further, I'm going to have to run every day to prepare for that. Uh, To become a better soccer or football player, I'm going to have to spend more time on the field. But for some reason, sacrifice is something we often don't plan for or somehow don't expect in other aspects of our life. You know, a couple years ago, I was thinking I led a women's Bible study using the book Experiencing God, which is an amazing book, by the way. And one thing the book reminds you of is that obedience to God costs. If we're going to do what God instructs us to do, and if we're going to be true disciples of Christ, we're going to pay a cost for that. And, you know, let's say, let's just use an example. Uh, Let's say you hear God saying that you should attend church every week. I mean, he wants you in the assembly, right? His word says that. So I'm sure, you know, he might be speaking that to you if if that's a possibility where you live, if going to the assembly on a regular basis is a possibility where you live. So you may decide, I'm going to go to church every week this year. Awesome. But then I ask you, have you planned for it? Things like, have you found a church you like, you know? Are you going to bed early the night before you're going to get up early to go to church? Have you moved the things you were doing on Sunday to other days, other times, or have you planned to skip them altogether? Is your family coming? Do they know it? Are they supportive of it? Are you ready to go without them? You know, which I've done before at various times in my life. No, you say? Well, that's the planning and sacrifice part that many of us forget about, which keeps us from actually accomplishing our goals. You know, I I know for some of us, too, we sometimes think that if the cost is too high, it must not be godly. You know, let me say that again. Some of us think if the cost is too high, it must not be godly. You know, if it requires too much sacrifice, God must not be in it. I remember someone telling me one time, it was a client of mine, that the way she knew it was God directing her was if it fell into her lap, meaning if it was easy. Or in other words, she didn't have to work for it. It just came to her. But I don't see anything in the Bible that associates ease with God. Now, of course, God tells us he'll make our path straight. He'll fight our battles. He'll fight and give us the victory. But that's not the same as saying it's going to be easy. You know, if you're not in the habit of getting up and going somewhere every Sunday morning, it's going to take some time, some fight, some sacrifice to get into that habit. And trust me, the devil's going to resist you in doing whatever God would have you to do. But the word says if we submit ourselves to him, 
and resist the devil, he will flee, right? So God says we'll win, but he doesn't say we'll never have to fight for it. In Luke chapter 14, I'm going to read something from there. Jesus teaches us about the cost of being a disciple, and he uses a, he uses a few parables or stories to teach and prepare us that to follow him means a willingness to sacrifice. So let's read. Let's go to Luke chapter 14, and let's start at verse 28. And we'll talk about these two parables that Jesus shares. So he says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet he to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Then that's through 31. Let's go to verse 33. He says, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Everything? <laughs> everything. That's a lot. You know, in Experiencing God, the book I mentioned before, um, the author's Blackaby told a compelling story. He talked about a missionary who God had called to preach the gospel to people in another country. And this was way before the technology we have today. So the missionary was boarding a ship to go overseas and knew that because of his mother's age, he would likely never see her alive again. And he tells the story that as the ship was pulling off, his mother had come to the dock to see him off. He could hear his mother wailing in her sadness, you know. Did the missionary pay a cost? Yes. Did the mother pay a cost? Yes. Um, the story goes on to talk about how the missionary, you know, knew that was the right thing to do and how he was blessed by it, but he still paid a cost in doing that. So when God gives you a goal, we need to plan for what it's going to take to accomplish it. It may mean different ways of speaking, spending our time differently, you know, spending the resources God has given us or given our business, given, spending those resources differently. But if we're going to accomplish big things at any level, and especially big things for God, we need to plan on big sacrifice. It's going to be worth it, but it's just naive for us to think it won't be required or not to plan for it. We have to actually plan for obedience. So goals and godly planning and planning for sacrifice demonstrate that we're going to go where God told us to go. We're serious about it, and we recognize the fact that we're going to have to work, sacrifice, and perhaps even fight to get there, right? So that's the second strategy, plan to sacrifice, and you have to plan for obedience. The last strategy is end your striving. You know, this may seem odd when we're talking about goal setting and, and what it is God wants us to achieve and do and sacrifice, but let's read the word. Let's go to Psalm 46.10. And it says, In your striving and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Another translation for the beginning of that verse that you may have heard before is be still and know that I am God. And, you know, God gave me this. These verses are telling us that in setting and even meeting godly goals, we must look for his provision right? God's provision. One author, I was reading this article, I'm going to read part of it to you all. Paul Targis, he wrote an article, it's on the website Counseling One Another, that he wrote one way to think about this verse 
you know, this verse around in your striving and know that I am God or be still and know that I'm God is to think about God saying this to us. Stop worrying. I am God. You are not. I will get the victory. Stop. Relax. Rest in me. I am your God. I will be your peace. And he goes on to say that the rest of God is a state of being that we enter into by belief. And that in other words, unlike physical sleep, spiritual rest in God involves an active choice. We must end our worrying and instead replace those worries with confidence that God is God and is in full control. As fears threaten to overtake us and destroy our peace, we must actively rest in God by faith, right? So we're resting in him as the provider and knowing that he will be exalted. You know, we can add to this the verse in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, with which several of us may know. It says, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So in all of these verses, God is saying, he does the adding. He does the blessing. He supplies the increase, and he will be exalted. So, you know, once God has given us goals and strategies, he expects us to execute them, yes. But if we're doing what he says, it's God who will give the increase. It's God who will make those strategies work in his timing. And I heard this from someone somewhere, you know, strategies don't work, God works. I think that was also in the Experience in God book. That's why, you know, sometimes one business may try to copy another business's model and fail. You have to do what God called you to do, because if you're following his plan, he will then cause it to be fruitful and to be blessed. It's God in the plan that's working, not the plan itself. And I remember hearing Kelly Lane, you all have heard me talk about her before. I love her. Uh, she was talking about her t-shirt business. She started a Christian t-shirt business some years ago, and she uses it as a platform to fund her prayer ministry. And she said that when she started doing it, she had left a job, a good paying job, as she says it, to do it. People would say, she's just selling t-shirts. I could sell t-shirts, you know. And I remember thinking, yeah, selling t-shirts does sound like fun. Well, you know, yes, you can sell t-shirts. But if God didn't tell you to sell t-shirts, his blessing may not be in that for you. You might need to sell books. I don't know, sell travel or not sell anything at all. Maybe he wants you working in a particular role, in a particular job or industry and just doing what he says. And if you're doing what he says, he'll bless you in that work. And that has happened. There's so many examples of this in the Bible as well. I told you all, I just finished reading about Moses and the Israelites. And we can think about the Israelites with Moses um, as an example of this. You may remember initially, you may remember initially, after a couple years in the wilderness, a little over that, God told the Israelites it was time for them to go and take the promised land. You know, but they grumbled, they complained. They said the people in the promised land were too big. They couldn't do it. They didn't want to do it. And instead, they wanted to appoint a leader and go back to Egypt, which was where they were enslaved. So they were going to go back to slavery instead of going forward into this promised land that God promised them um, and promised him that, you know, he would give them victory over. So God got angry at their rebellion, of course, like he gets angry at ours, I'm sure, and said, fine. You know, initially he was going to kill the whole generation except for the few that didn't rebel, but 
through his grace, you know, as Moses implored him, he decided that instead they would just wander in the wilderness until the whole generation died, right? And he would take the next generation, plus Joshua and Caleb, who didn't rebel, into the promised land. So that's what God said. So then the people felt differently. They felt bad. They said, oh my goodness, we messed up. They mourned. And they said, a group of them said, let's go use this strategy. We can do it. Let's go take the land. And God and Moses told the people, look, God's no longer in that strategy. In Numbers 14, Moses told them, let me read it. Do not go up or you will be struck down before your enemies for the Lord is not among you. Meaning God's not in that strategy anymore. So don't go up. Don't try to take this land. It's not going to work. It was the same strategy, but God wasn't in it for them. So the group of Israelites didn't listen like we often do as well. Um, they rebelled again. So they disobeyed God again. First time they didn't go up when he told them to. Now he told them don't go up and they're going to go up anyway. So they went out and took the land and got fully struck down and fully pushed back. In Numbers 14, the word actually says, let me read it, that the people from the land came down and struck them. And the word actually says this and beat them down. Wow. <laughs> you know, so it's not the strategy by itself. It's God working through the strategy that he give you. That's why T-shirts might work for Kelly Lane, but not for me. You know, unless God tells me to also sell T-shirts. Strategies don't work. God works. So let's end our striving, meaning let's all take a deep breath, you know, in and out. Let's all stop trying to make things work or make other people's ideas work. Instead, let's do what God called us to do and allow him to work it out. Let him give us the promotion. Let him give us the increase. I mean, I personally got a contract in my business this year that I, you know, probably shouldn't have gotten based on my time in the business alone. And I'm not foolish enough to think it was a strategy that I use that's going to work over and over again. No, I did what God called me to do. I made the calls he told me to make. I did the work he told me to do. And of course, I'm not saying I did it perfectly, but I was, you know, purposeful and intentional about it. And he blessed it. And that's how it works. We can learn from others. God can speak through others. I mean, he sent me a word the other day through someone from my business. But at the end of the day, we have to do what he's called us to do. And then not worry ourselves about whether or not those things are going to work. That is in God's hands. You know, it's like this radio show. God told us to do it, so we're doing it. Do we have a million listeners? Not yet. You know, I wish we did, but I don't think so. But that doesn't mean we stop doing it. No, we keep doing what he's called us to do. And when he's ready to grow, to multiply, to supply, to provide the increase, he will do it. So... I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. You know, last time, the first question of leadership we talked about on the last episode was why. Why are we leading? The second question of leadership that we talked about today is what? What are the goals God is giving us to accomplish and have we written them down? Two, have we planned to sacrifice to accomplish those goals because that is likely going to be required? And then three, have we ended our striving? which doesn't mean ending our work, right? Because faith plus works equals manifestation. But have we ended our worry? Are we resting in God to provide the increase, the blessing, the promotion, the overflow? Um, you know, we can stay focused on executing his plan and then trust him to be the provider, which is such a restful and peaceful place to be. Uh, we can just follow what God told us to do and allow him 
to add the blessing, the increase, uh, and everything that he wants to add in his timing. You know, and God not only provided for our, and provides for our physical needs, he provided for our spiritual needs through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Every human on earth, every seven or eight billion of us and all that are to come need a Savior. For the Bible says that all, meaning all, have fallen short. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of his glory. And the wages or payment for sin is death. So thank God he provided a way for us not to have to pay for the sin in our lives. And that is by believing in and accepting the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The perfect sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you haven't accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ as your Savior, I beg, I implore, I encourage you to do it today. He stands knocking at the door of every heart waiting for us to answer. So if you're feeling uneasy right now, that is Christ encouraging you to accept him as your Lord and your Savior. And if you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior today, then also know that when you die, you will spend eternity with our God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So pray this prayer with me. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, that we must declare with our mouth that Jesus, God's one and only Son, is Lord. And we must believe in our heart that Christ died for our sins and that he, God raised Christ from the dead. If we believe and confess, we will be saved. So let's pray this simple prayer. God, I declare with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised Christ from the dead. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, and I pray that you did, you are saved. Uh, welcome to the family of God. Send us a note and let us know at, I mentioned my email address, agreen, A-G-R-E-E-N, at lifechangingfaith.com. We want to reach out to you, encourage you along the way. Find a Bible teaching church you know, a church family that will love you and that you can love back. I'm excited about all that's to come for you as you get to know our Father, who is a good, good Father. Get to know our Father, our Savior, and the Holy Spirit even better. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining. You can access past episodes on our website, I am www.iamakingdomleader.com. There's also blogs and bios for your hosts. And I'm just praying... God's peace, God's favor, God's blessing, and God's joy over you until we speak again. Be blessed, people of God. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Kingdom Leadership, and we pray you were blessed by today's discussion. You can find us next week at the same place, same time. You may also visit us online to access past episodes and submit questions for future shows by visiting IamAKingdomLeader.com. God is calling us to lead in a way that gives Him glory, attracts others, and advances His kingdom. God bless you.